Hello and welcome everybody to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. Uh, today we're going to be discussing tenant screening. It's uh, Darcy and I who will be doing it because um, uh, we do it ourselves. Um, Glenn hires it out, and uh, so that's. And Glenn's super busy. Gotta say, busy, so buying a house, selling a house. Yeah, he's he's under, uh, overwhelmed today. So yeah. it's good that it happens. It's part of life, right? Yeah, so it's the two of us, and um, so I'm, maybe I can get started. Yeah. So I like to ask three questions, which give me um, a good understanding usually about the, the tenants. So I, I used to ask three questions, actually. When are you looking to move? Who would be living with you? And where do you work? Um, the question of who would be living with you is a good indicator. You know, if you're selling, if you're renting out a, a one-bedroom, and the person has kids, uh, it may be a little tricky to accommodate everybody. So uh, that's one way. And, and the other way I do it now, I simply, I don't post those questions anymore in my ad, my KGG ad. I just ask them once they apply uh, to tell me more about themselves. Uh, and uh, in terms of um, a process, it's a three-step process. So first, we have a conversation through uh, email, and um, and then we speak on the phone. Uh, I try to get a long conversation to get a good sense of who it is I'm talking to. And then I check them on Facebook and social media, which is uh, also very informative about, uh, uh, you know, what type of person they are mm -hmm. and um, who they hang out with, their frequentations. And, um, and some of the red flags are when people want to move in right away without sight unseen so without wanting to see the unit uh they mention that they want to pay cash uh they try to barter or they provide me with information that's confusing and and usually those are red flags that I will uh, uh, yeah that will be a, a potentially yeah. a, a, no, a refusal for the for the rental have you had people offer you three or four or six months cash up front. Oh yeah. Yeah. And what's your feeling on that? You said offered cash. I'm curious what your thoughts are that's behind that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find it a bit, uh, usually if they have cash up front, they are going to be running out of cash uh, later on. Uh, that's yeah. In some cases we've taken that some people we've known, they've got their student loan and they pay four months ahead because they're worried that they're going to spend it on pizza. And we've done that with buildings that are high in students, but I have heard, and we have rejected people that um, just, it was sketchy. They want to pay six months in advance and didn't, because it felt like they didn't want you to ever come to the door ever again. Mm. And we just thought they're probably doing something in there illegal. Our, our suspicions were aroused and we thought, well, they're either going to cut that kitchen apart, uh, bridge the electricity and start uh, running a grow up or making amphetamines in the bathtub or whatever the kids are doing. But we didn't feel comfortable with that. It's just not, our tenants don't have six months of rent in advance, not generally. So kids that have student loans, yeah. But our the people we rent to, six months rent, that's like six grand. Who has six grand in cash that's renting a 900 month apartment? Yeah. Something doesn't add up there, it's not right. Yeah. yeah, actually, I've had this case where people were paying in advance, but it was like you said, you know, they had a, a student loan. So, yeah, yeah and I, I totally understood they don't want to spend the money on anything else. So that made sense. Mm -hmm. I like your three questions. 
That's good. That's good. Who's going to be living there with you? Because sometimes you can overlook that. You can get excited about filling a vacancy. And then they move in five kids, two dogs, a cat, goldfish, a waterbed, a terrarium, uh, you know, and four relatives into a one bedroom. No, that's a good question. Yeah. And how's that, how's that working? Good, good, fairly good. Usually, you know, the troubles I have is when I inherit tenants. Uh, mm -hmm. That's the tricky part. But usually uh, I'm pretty happy with um, my system. I use two references, the former landlord and the current employer. Uh, yep. I've had some fake landlords who sounded more like friends. So I asked uh, some targeted questions to try and figure out, uh, you know, who, if they're legit or not. And, um, and when I check those references, I, I make sure I try to figure out if they paid on time and how they kept the unit. Usually it's good, but it's not always possible to go check out the unit they used to live in. Uh, yep. And from the current employer, I try to confirm the quantity. Of, I confirm the quantity of hours they work per week, how long they've been in the job. So that shows stability and uh, if they're planning to keep them. Yeah, oh, that's good stuff. We've done that too, done a Google Streets view of where they say their other address is. If it's a little bit of ways or in another jurisdiction, it's surprising what you'll find. Uh, an address turns out to be a vacant lot or a farmer's field. And you go back to them and say, hey, there's something wrong with this address and then they'll change it. You know, you don't know where you used to live. If, you know, if it's one digit off or it's odd, not even, it's across the street and there's a fourplex just as they described, well, it's fine. But often mm. it's not when things like that don't start um, we get into trouble when we use our gut. Um, all of my managers, um, you know, are pretty savvy people. I try to give them framework for selecting tenants, but we too use our own managers. So we don't use outside um, uh, placement agencies uh, for several reasons. One, um, we, we don't have their management package, so we're not doing their tenant screening as well. So um, it's, we find it not at, you know, it's just not as effective and it's costly it's an option if you have no other options, but um, they'll typically charge a rent up fee equal to maybe one month's rent, uh, you know, eight, $900 to place a candidate. Now, if we are really struggling and they'd had access to exceptional candidates, well, that's possible that it's worth it, but often what they're placing is no better than what we're finding is our experience. And it's quite costly. The rent up fees may include a credit check um, which it can anywhere from $8 to 15, depending on what your deal is or who you're using. Those start adding up, you start paying your managers or somebody to be there to screen tenants. It's all costly. Um, and there's no guarantees. Some companies I've worked with, they've offered a one year that the tenant they screen and put in, they charge a rent up fee will stay a year. Okay. So I'm going to get 11 months rent for that, that tenant. That's pretty costly on a, on a market rental unit, your, your profit off of single unit might be under $100 and you're giving 800 away for the rent up fee. You might only make $300 a year on that. That's not a lot of money. It's pretty high cost. So if we can do it efficiently for ourselves, we do. Um, I have helped shape our, we do all, all of, I think most of the things that Ari says. Um, our questions are a little different. I have produced for our uh, managers an ideal tenant scorecard just to give them some structure. I've asked them to use this when they're on the phone to fill in a name and give me a contact number because you could go back to a person and sometimes they forget it's in their phone and they've taken 16 calls in an afternoon and they forgot which one. So I've asked them get a name, get a phone number right away. That's the first thing. Just want to confirm in case our, con 
our phone call is interrupted. What's the best number to reach at? Write that down on the top of the page with a contact name. And then we just have a grid where we score this really quickly. And we've been testing it to see if this works for the last, I suppose, eight years in refining it. But we have a series, I think, 10 questions, and we give a scoring from one to five for each of these questions. Do you have a job? Uh, five is a yes and a no is one. They don't have a job. There's nothing in between, sort of. What does sort of mean? Um, job stability. If you've only been in it less than 30 days, yeah, that's a zero. Uh, but if you've been there, you know, five plus years, there's a good chance you're going to keep your job. So that's a five. Uh, the kind of job. And this might, you might think this is strange, but we know that our best tenants are in semi-skilled work. That's our focus. That's where people rent from us. Um, my manager said, well, why wouldn't we take a professional? Sure we would. But what professional is looking for a $650 one-bedroom apartment in the inner city? Not many. Um, my manager got jammed up. He's retired now, but my, he was a great manager. His name is Hilding Franzen. He got jammed up because he fell in love with a, an applicant. This guy was an architect. Now, my manager, Hilding, had advanced degrees in mathematics. He had a degree in urban planning, master's program of urban planning. He's a very smart guy. And now he had someone to play with. Here was an architect looking to move into our working class building on Vancouver Island. And he had a couple of kids and a charming wife. Um, I, I was apprehensive. I said, I don't think he's our type. Why is an architect? I mean, those guys make six-figure salaries. Why is he moving into a two-bedroom apartment with five people? This doesn't make sense. But Hilding said, oh, no, he's really smart. He's an interesting guy, and he's, he's got these ideas for our building. And I was talking to him about what we could do around our wall sconces and all these other architect stuff. And I went, wait, this doesn't sound right. This is not a right good tenant. But against uh, our better judgment, Hilding accepted him. You know, he was an architect. Of course, he was not able to work in Canada. His license was under review in two other jurisdictions in Colorado and California for claims of other, you know, things, um, criminal stuff. And he's running a scam doing stuff. And he was out of money and he was just a scammer. But he was an architect. You could confirm it on Facebook. He had an architect, uh, belonged to an association. But part of that is, does the person candidate fit our building? Mm. And we know... Semi-skilled people, working class students, retirees, those are the people that typically rent from us, not architects, not people with advanced mathematic degrees that are teaching at the university. I mean, they're making 180000 a year and they're buying a house in Saskatoon. There's no way they're renting for us for 700 a month. Um, references, previous landlord, last two, no gaps. Who are you renting from now? Who did you rent from just before that? And here's the trick. Last landlord might be trying to get rid of them and would give yeah. them a lying reference, say, yeah, they paid up, they were quiet, they were great. The deal might be, I'll give you a good reference if you get out of here. But the one before that might be willing to tell the truth. And part of the thing with listening, uh, getting references is listening to what they're not telling you. Do they pay on time? Yes. Well, the pay, was the rent provided by a third party? Yes. Okay, the government pays on time. That says nothing about the candidate. You know, what are they not saying? You know, do they live with other, do other people live there? Do they have a lot of visitors? Were they troubled? Did you have frequent calls and things that they don't answer because they're afraid of getting sued or some other side agreement that they made to get the people out of there? You're listening for what's missing, an unqualified yes. And here's what I've got on more than one occasion. A candidate has left a family member, in both cases, their dad, as a reference. And when I talked to the dad about this candidate, the dad went, 
oh, uh, you know, I asked specifically, would you rent to them if you were in my case? And the dad went, ah, uh, you know, now they've already said no once. You know, he said no. If you're listening, he said no. You know, I, 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 I don't know. They, they said no twice. I don't know. That's another no. I don't know. You know, they've had a tough go of things. Uh, you know, possibly. That is a tepid endorsement. And they already said no twice. Don't rent from them. That's a bad reference. Well, I'm I looking for their age. Um, What's that? I, one thing I like to do also when I check the references is uh, use silences to see what they what mm -hmm. they say, you know. Got to listen. Yeah. Ask an open question and then see, you know, see what they say and, and, and wait, wait a little bit. Yeah, you have to listen to what they're actually saying. Uh, we're looking for age, pets, if they own a car, um, what kind of domestic relationship they're in. One of the little tricks that we do, rather than pay for a credit check through one of the credit services, which if you run 10 or 15 people, I mean, that could be almost $200 in credit checks to find one candidate. And you may only make $1,000 on the whole, whole year of tenancy, and you spend 20% on credit checks. That's a high cost to qualify. But there are other soft credit checks that are going out there. If they own a car or they're leasing a car, that someone else has done a credit check on them. I'm going to piggyback on that credit check. If they have a checking account, their bank has done a soft credit check on it. They won't give you a checking account unless they've done a credit check. Now, I want to know if someone else has done a credit check on you. Do you have any other credit cards? I don't need to know the numbers. Who are they with? Canadian Tire? Good. Do you have a Triangle Rewards card? Good. Good to know. PC Optimum? Someone else has done a credit check on you. Do you have a Visa card? Please don't tell me the number, but do you have one? Good. Do you have a checking account? There's three other credit reporting agencies that have already qualified you. Do you have a cell phone? Yes. Those guys are notoriously tough to get cell phones. Is it on a, is it on a program or is it just a burner? Mm. It's a burner. Nobody's done a credit check. If you're with Telus, Rogers, or Shaw, someone's done a credit check on you. And to keep that phone, you must be making payments. Uh, those are the ways you can avoid that eight to fifteen dollar credit check cost, unless you're really, you know, down to it. And you want to do one final check. Um, and did they show up on time? You know, are they going to pay the rent on time? Are they going to show up for an appointment on time? When you give a 24-hour notice to do service work and your plumber shows up who's charging $90 or $115 an hour and they're not there or they won't open the door because they're still in bed, I want to know what the quality of person you have there and what to expect. All of those things count for me. Um, and that gives me a frame of reference for whether to accept someone. Um, I know I ran these by my girls and they're going, come on, dad, on time? Like, why, you know, why be such a jerk about just being on time? Did you pay your rent on time? you pay your bills on time? I mean, time matters. It's the ultimate denominator and it, uh, it matters. Every financial transaction is over time. Draw a line and put time underneath it. Any transaction uh, between two peoples. It's, it's this constant steady state of all transactions and it has to be a factor. And it's hugely important for me. I hate people wasting my time or my manager's time. So that's kind of what we do, that little scorecard. I met my managers tweak it, play with it and test it against tenants they took in. And when we fail, we go back over that card and look where we failed. How did we fail? What, what part of this card didn't work? This score for this tenant didn't work. They got a seven out of 10. How did we end up with such a bad tenant? Well, there's lies in here and it actually scored out as a four and a half. There we go. So what can we learn from this? That's what we do. I don't know. I'm curious what other people do. I haven't seen a lot of how they screen tenants. We just kind of invented it. Yeah, and I prefer to do it in-house. Uh, there is, you're you you are, you're more inclined, you know, to do a, a more di diligent work than uh, than somebody who 
was no guarantee, was not guaranteeing anything. <laughs> and uh, like you said, you know, they charge quite a bit uh, for it as well. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, and I think I can screen already a lot, you know, through just messages <laughs> first. Uh, you can you can screen quite a bit. And then, uh, yeah, it doesn't yeah. take that that long to do it. And it's it's really worth it because it's the, the core of the business. This yeah. is where the income is coming from. So it's uh, it's really essential. Yeah, and we have internally and you know, explicitly as well, we engage in a relationship with the tenant, both a contractual relationship through a lease and, you know, our obligations to them, their obligations to us to pay rent, to live quietly, to not damage the building, ours to provide the services, um, all those other things. There's that contractual relationship we're entering into. I want to know I'm entering into who I'm entering into that relationship with. I also feel that we have a moral relationship that... I'm, you know, put on this earth not to be a jerk and to take care of people, not just perform the contract as we, as it stated, but to do better than that. We're all called to do better than just the bare minimum of the contract. So I want to know who we're into a relationship with. So it's important to me. Uh, um, it's the basis of the business, that relationship between landlord and tenant, and it's worth taking care of doing it well. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal to us. Um, when they fail, I, I feel awful. Uh, uh, vacancies are, are expensive. Damage is really expensive. After every tenancy ends, there's cleanup and uh, there's costs involved in that and uh, getting the apartment ready for the new person. Evictions are costly. They're traumatic. You have an eviction. Other people are traumatized by that to see someone's stuff carried out into the street or to see them, you know, crying or angry or punching walls, leaving because they fail to make payments or fail to live peaceably with other people or, you know, children see this. Seniors and vulnerable people see that other people being evicted from their homes. It's a terrible trauma. Yeah, it's stressful. Yeah, I hate to be involved in it. So we try not to do that. We don't do a lot of them. You know, you 500 units, you're going to do a few a year. But we try to do better than that. So we don't have them. So if you pick better or clarify what your expectations are early um, and then perform them, you have less less evictions, less trouble. Yeah, especially, you know, in provinces uh, where evictions are uh, difficult and, uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's very, it's even more crucial to, to do a good job at screening. Yeah, and it's really tempting when you have a lot of vacancies like we do. We buy uh, distressed buildings, which means they were poorly managed and they have lots of vacancies. that They, they go together. Um, it's tempting to fill up your building because you're burning cash, your expenses don't stop. You're still paying water metering charges. You're still paying property tax and insurance and heat and hydro and all the other things you've got going on. It's tempting to fill spaces, to compromise on, on who you bring in because you can see your cash burning. And that's a scary, scary situation. But the trauma of turning over apartments, like renting for six weeks and two months and one month and you know three days, these kind of things, those are expensive and the damage and the destruction of your building is not worth it. You have to be disciplined and patient and pick good tenants that fit your building. Otherwise, uh, the turnover cost will just crush you. There, yeah. It's really a high cost. It's a temptation to resist. Uh, it's better to take your time, put someone <laughs> in that's going to stay long term. Turnover, uh, turnover is expensive and, uh, and it's, yeah, it can be trauma traumatizing to deal with a, an eviction. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, my father-in-law would say better an empty suite than a bad tenant over and over again to remind me to be disciplined and patient because I'm not a patient guy. I want to get on with it. I'm looking at what my vacancy rate is. I'm looking at my cash burn. 
I just got to fill suites and say, no, better an empty suite than a bad tenant because it's corrosive. You could empty two or three units with one bad tenant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think uh, we've shared some, uh, some, a few nuggets in there. If you, yeah. if you're interesting uh, uh, ideas on how to screen tenants, hopefully you found this uh, interesting and uh, don't hesitate to leave a review. And if you want to send us a question you'd like us to cover during um, our, our podcast, feel free to email us at advanced R E I talk advanced R E I talk at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you all next week. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Have a great week.